This talk was recorded by Canvas Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as a part of the 2021 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. ...about missional hospitality. Um, so what is hospitality? Uh, when you hear the word hospitality, a few things may come to mind. You may think of expensive hotels, complete with smiling receptionists and a courteous doorman at the door. Or here down south, you may think of a classic southern restaurant, complete with smiling waiters ready to serve you a mountain of unhealthy food. Or maybe you think of going to a coffee shop on a crisp fall day in Minnesota, complete with flannel, a hot Americano, and some nice granola alt music in the background. Like, mm, so good. <laughs> and what I'd like to emphasize today is that while all these things are good, left by themselves, they, don't, they miss the point of true hospitality. So what is hospitality, specifically within the Christian context? Um, I started by looking at a definition, um, and the online Merriam-Webster dictionary said, hospitality is the activity or business of providing services to guests in hotels, restaurants, bars, etc." And that's great. It's an awesome definition. Kind of nerdy for me, I guess, but when I looked at this word, it wasn't very fulfilling in the sense of the word. Um, and I remember Vody Bauckham, if you've ever heard of Vody Bauckham, he's a prevalent reformed pastor. Um, he likes to look up words in Webster's 1828 dictionary because they have a lot more biblical emphasis and background and even references. Um, so I looked this up on the online 1828 dictionary, and it's a little bit better, and it says hospitality. Uh, the act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward or with kind and generous liberality. And while this definition is good, in my opinion, it doesn't completely encompass the whole definition of hospitality for Christians. It doesn't encompass a Christ-centered hospitality. Um, so is hospitality just a good thing that people do for each other's enjoyment and leisure? Or is there a greater biblical purpose to hospitality? So if you have your Bibles with you or your phones, um, I'd like to invite you to turn to Romans 12. That's going to be Romans 12, starting in verse 9. I'll just wait a few moments for everyone. Romans 12, verse 9, uh, looking at hospitality in the Bible. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And Paul goes on to further comment on marks of a true Christian in this passage. But we see in verse 13 here, he says, seek to show hospitality. And you see that and you're like, wait, that gives us no help because it's the same word used over again. So that doesn't do anything. So for that, in response to that, I'd like you to turn to Matthew 25. And it's going to be Matthew 25, verse 31. Matthew 25:31. When the Son of Man comes in, in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him he will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place, on the, sh he will place the sheep on his right, 
but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. And I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. So in this passage, we see that hospitality is an act of selfless, Christ-like service to others. It's putting others before yourself and inviting them into the blessings that you have received from Christ. Um, and looking at this, to modify Webster's definition of hospitality, I would say that hospitality is the act or practice of receiving and entertaining guests or strangers without reward or with kind and generous liberality for the purpose of glorifying God and declaring his goodness to others. In the book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield, she defines radically ordinary hospitality as a way to make strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God. It invites those who are rejected and unseen in your life so that they may know the grace of Christ through you, through the blessings you have received. Christian hospitality is revolutionary to those who have never experienced it. We might be very, very comfortable from a Christian hospitable background, but people have never experienced it. It's life-changing. It is a selfless showing of love towards individuals who come into your home regardless of that person's background or individual belief. It's welcoming the individual. And now that we kind of know a Christian definition of hospitality, I'd like to move into examples of hospitality. Because we know what it's like to be hospitable, what does it look like in more of like a practical nature? Um, and examples in my own life. Um, one of the greatest testaments to me of a person who lived a hospital lifestyle was my grandfather named Don Baker. He was a man characterized by steadfast hospitality all throughout his life. He didn't have a lot. Um, he even grew up across the street from the home he lived his entire life. He just stayed in the same area uh, most of his life, except for World War II. Um, he would, but every day he would faithfully, well not every day, but he would faithfully invite people into his home to have meals or coffee and just talk with others and encourage others in a Christ-like way. His simple act of just taking the time to sit around the dining room table with someone, just one-on-one -on -one or with his family, I would argue, radically changed the lives of numerous individuals, including my own. Uh, to give you a perspective of how, of how inviting Don was to other people, around the time of his funeral, my dad, being a farmer and having stuff stored at my grandparents' place, mentioned that he would have to sometimes quietly sneak around their place if he was in a rush because he didn't want to have to decline another invitation into my grandparents' home. And speaking of his funeral, as a testament to the impact of my grandfather's hospitable life, when tragedy struck and my grandfather was killed in a car accident, I was able just to see a small magnitude of the lives he touched. At that funeral in our relatively small church, both the sanctuary and the foyer were completely packed with people who came to celebrate the life of my grandfather, who died at 86 years old. He still had that much of an impact at that age. And his impact continued to this day. For his son, my uncle, um, was a direct receiver of that hospita hospitality. And him and his nature has shown hospitality to what we talked about. Thousands of people have come into his home over the years, impacting countless lives through a simple act of hospitality. But don't just take my grandfather or my uncle as an example for you. Um, I'd also invite you to turn to Acts chapter 16 um, to look at an example of Christian hospitality. Acts 
going to be Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 13. Verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named, woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Quick side note, I think it's kind of funny that Luke, the writer of Acts, said she prevailed upon us. And I looked at that, and I was like, looked at other translations. Some used persuaded us. Some used constrained. Like, Lydia's a seller of purple goods. She's like a rich lady, and kind of writes it in like a negative connotation, like, oh, I have to go be in a comfortable house. I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> it's like, it's a rich lady's house. Why are you so, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, but in this passage, Lydia, full of joy and having a passion to serve others, invites the apostles into her house. Yet, <clears throat> excuse me. And not only in this passage, but all throughout the Bible, we see numerous examples of hospitality and people coming to homes for fellowship and growth, such as the Last Supper or Jesus being invited to the wedding where he turned the water into wine. Um, but we must take care to not miss the point of inviting people over and showing hospitality to people. And in Luke 10, 38-42, you can turn there if you want as well, uh, we see an example of the true point of hospitality. Luke 10, 38-42, starting in verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Martha failed to see that hospitality is a means for developing Christ-centered relationship. She completely missed the point of hospitality in the first place. Hospitality is a means. It is not an end for your own pleasure or enjoyment. It is a means that others may see more of Christ. In the same way, the chief end of hospitality ought to be the glorification of God through Christ-centered relationship, not our, happy, not our own happiness and the satisfaction of others through the hospitality itself. There is an end to hospitality. Through hospitality, we invite people in and get to know them and their stories. Rather than simply making assumptions about the other person, we invite them in to share time with us in whatever that may be. Hospitality is an excellent way to approach people in a way that takes the burden off their back and softens their heart to the love of the gospel. And I have a few practicals for you, but before we go into the practicals I have for you all, I'd like to emphasize that hospitality is not a one-size-fits-all thing. It is an art and not a science. Excuse me. This is where the art form, it's a lifelong learning skill of inviting people in. You can't stress out about, oh, can I do this or that, but just showing the love of Christ to others. And now I'd like to move into a time of just more practice, like how, how do we be hospitable? If we see examples in the Bible and we kind of know what hospi hospitality is, how are we hospitable as 20-somethings in college, maybe just started college, graduating, um, Brent. Um, <laughs> yeah, how are we hospitable? How do we use the resources to invite people in and show God's glory to others? Um, and if we follow Jesus' teaching in Matthew 25 or encourage other Christians 
Through hospitality, um, it can take many different forms here in the United States. Um, yeah, and I'll do my best to emphasize things that are applicable for both college students and people who graduated. Um, first thing I have is remind yourself that any form of hospitality is a means for others to see Christ. If there are other motives, such as celebrations, events, hangouts, those are good, but they're meaningless if the love of Christ isn't shown. They're just another event for people to go to and forget. Um, the second thing I have um, is plan your occasion. Uh, know what the goal or define a goal of your event. Um, this is more for large events, but defining the event on the front, of, front end of planning can really make life simpler for everything to follow suit. Is there a purpose behind your event? You've got to ask that question. Is this a church event? Is it a school event? Friends? Birthday? Other celebration? Inviting in unbelievers? Just having people over for dinner? This really helps orient the style of your occasion, which may seem minor, but can really help people feel welcomed and open to coming to be with you. If you know and you see what you, you seem like you know what's going on, your guests are going to feel that much more welcomed. Um, another point I have about this planning is know who you are know who you are inviting and be tactful about it. Um, for instance, if your goal is to get to know individual roommates across the hall or individual neighbors across the street, and you want to get to know them one-on-one -on -one and just develop a relationship with them, don't also invite the roommates if they have a roommate tension or neighbors that hate each other over at the same, at the same time. Unless your goal is to f build a bond of trust between the neighbors, um, yeah, you just need to be tactful about who you're inviting. It may seem selective at first, but if your goal is to preach the gospel into these people's lives. It is important. Um, another point I have is clean your room. Uh, this may be a personal thing, but for new people, and even people you know well, allowing them to walk into a clean environment will help them feel that much more at ease and welcomed than walking into a dirty environment. Um, a dirty environment may leave guests kind of feeling tense and uneasy, and you're just kind of like, uh, I just kind of want to get out. <laughs> and clean environment is not necessarily that they're going to notice that's clean, but it's just kind of expected, and the focus is going to be on the relationships and the talks and the gospel and not the surroundings. And I have, if at all possible, have food and beverage of some time. God, uh, God made us to enjoy meals. Um, there are times of bonding and relationship building where nothing else is being done but eating. Um, they're just, it's the act of doing an action while having conversation. I think it's like a multitask. It's just, there's nothing like having a meal with another person. Uh, it allows time to truly get to know another person's story and speak godly wisdom and encouragement into their lives. A uh, third thing I have is don't plan the event for your own enjoyment, but for the enjoyment of others. Now, wanting to be wary of not being a Martha and over-serving and missing the point of hospitality, but if you as a host aren't doing a good job of being a host, people won't want to come. Um, or the burden is put on someone else, and that's the whole point of you hosting is that you're taking on that burden. Um, and read the room, though. Don't get so caught up in serving that you miss the relationships or the moments to connect with others and truly talk about Christ-centered things and not just the nitpicky, do you want another cup of coffee? Um, because your event is temporary, you need to remind yourself that people will enjoy it, but they're ultimately going to forget about it. Don't overstress. Even if it's a really good event, the relationship is the only thing that's eternal. It might create memories, but it doesn't last. It shouldn't go without saying, though, that hospitality can't be enjoyable. This is something that I have found in my family to be extremely enjoyable. In my own experience, uh, one of the more recent examples of an amazing opportunity to bless others 
um, was through, we hosted our sister's wedding reception um, with our family. Months in advance of the wedding, um, my family and I were helped prepare for this uh, event. And we also had extended family home during that time. And I think between all of us, there were hundreds of hours put into like two days of celebration. It's just kind of like, oh, is this really worth it? Like, but in, I would argue it was so worth it because for that one June day amidst all the hardships and difficulties that are a consequence of living in a fallen world, we had like, I would argue it was like, it's like a little snippet of heaven. And you just kind of, those moments that are created, you just kind of want to be in them forever are created when you put in the work and really focus on Christ-centered relationship and diving into the people that come to be with you and celebrate an awesome event of the wedding of my sister and my brother-in-law. Um, it was an awesome event. Um, and while this moment was beautiful, it was so temporary. And I want to remind you of this. It is so temporary in comparison to the lives of the people that are impacted by it. Lives that one day can share in worshiping God in heaven forever in a beauty that never fades. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2021 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.